0: Welcome back. In this episode, I'm going to cover what intellectual and developmental disabilities are and how they apply in the educational setting. First, we will talk about history. Although these disabilities have always been around, they haven't always been named the same thing. In 2007, the term for what we know now as American Association on Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities, or AAIDD, was once called the American Association on Mental Retardation, or AAMR. As late as the 1900s, there were terms that now don't seem appropriate, these being terms like idiot, imbecile, and moron. Those are now not used in intellectual and developmental disabilities and instead now referred to as having severe, moderate, or mild intellectual disability. The change of term was not immediate, but there were things that helped to advocate for better choice of words. One was a campaign called Spread the Word to End the Word. This was drawing attention to the use of retard and how one needs to stop using it due to it being insulting. And more than 700,000 people signed this pledge. In 2010, the federal legislation solidified the use of the term intellectual disability. But there have been seven different definitions, each one having more clarification and being more cautious. There is a lot to be aware of within intellectual disabilities and professionals want to support these individuals so they can reach their full potential and be included in society. A strong definition for intellectual disability is a disability characterized by significant limitations both in intellectual functioning and in adaptive behavior as expressed in conceptual, social, and practical adaptive skills. This definition states that there's both limitations in intellectual function and adaptive behavior, but can be improved. Intellectual function would be more related to the IQ of an individual, but some students score poor in the IQ test, and that is when adaptive behavior becomes even more important. Although there is no single definition to adaptive behavior, there is an understanding that it ties with social and practical intelligence. Social intelligence refers to the ability to read someone's emotion, being able to stand up for oneself, and not being prone to or easily tricked or manipulated, so pretty much just not being extremely gullible. And practical intelligence is more talking about one's ability to prepare food or being able to use transportation systems Occurrences to function in society and having the ability to be independent. Understanding the causes of intellectual disabilities is also something that is important to understand because sometimes individuals may have an intellectual disability, but it can be helpful to know the cause. It could be due to either nature or nurture or a mixture of both. When referring to the causes, most commonly we refer to the time the cause occurred. So for example, in the prenatal stage or before birth, there may be chromosomal disorders like Down syndrome, Williams syndrome, or disorders similar in nature. There may also be inborn errors of metabolism, such as PKU. Developmental disorders could also affect the brain, whether it's hereditary or due to infections. Also in the stage, there may be environmental factors like certain drug use, diseases, or malnutrition. The cause could have occurred at the time of birth, if the baby was in a certain position, if there was a lack of oxygen, if the baby had a low body weight or was premature. Those are just some instances that have an impact on future intellectual disabilities. Causes could also occur after both, both biologically and environmentally, such as infections or abuse or not living in a healthy stimulating environment. Through years, professionals want to make sure that there is proper identification of these disabilities. Like we stated earlier with the definition of intellectual disabilities, intellectual disabilities is related to an IQ of an individual as well as the adaptive abilities. Intelligence tests is one piece of the puzzle. There's a test called WISCV. This measures the IQ as well that has a verbal comprehension score, a perceptional reasoning score, a working memory score, and a processing speed score. But those only matter if the test is valid, meaning it measures what it is supposed to measure. There's some downfalls to IQ tests, that being that an IQ score can change from one test to another. They also are culturally biased to some extent. And the younger the kid, the least valid the test is, and they don't measure adaptive capabilities. Ways to te- test uh, adaptive behavior could be the Vineland Adaptive Behavior Scales. This is also an, There's also an assessment of quality of life, both objective and subjective. There's also a quality of life questionnaire that addresses the satisfaction, well-being, social belonging, dignity, and control one has in life. Individuals may also use the BILD life experiences checklist, and this relates to adaptive capabilities. This covers areas of home, relationships, freedom, leisure, and opportunities for self-improvement. The psychological and behavior characteristics that are prominent typically relate to deficits in attention, memory, language, self-regulation, motivation, and social development. There are three terms that help understand some characteristics, those being working memory, metacognition, and gullibility. Working memory is the ability to keep information in mind while simultaneously doing another task, such as trying to remember an address while listening to instructions on how to get there. Metacognition refers to a person's awareness on strategies needed to do a task The ability to plan the use of the strategies and if the strategies worked well. And the other term that I think is significant in intellectual disabilities is gullibility. Greenspan believes that gullibility is a mixture of cognitive and personality factors. Understanding when something is deceptive and the reliance on external motivation. This also is important to understand because, in the legal system, it has caused wrongful convictions due to the individuals believing something that wasn't true. With all of this, there's also educational considerations. In general, all students are going to differ in the degree and how much support they need. Educational programming usually has systematic instruction as well as reinforcement of instruction. Systematic refers to selecting a learning target, whether that is for school or improving on adaptive capabilities. It also teaches in a way for understanding and builds off concepts. It uses verbal and physical prompts and just keeps updated with the students learning and adjusts if needed. And it has also been shown that through this process, if there's positive reinforcement, it has a strong correlation with the student's success. Also, when testing for intellectual disabilities, testing accommodations and alternate assessments are likely to be used. Like I mentioned in earlier podcasts, early intervention is an intended way for the further development of children who have been identified, as well as the transition to adulthood. The transition to adulthood focuses more on life skills, whether that's domestic, such as learning to clean dishes or do laundry, or more community-based and learning how banking or how to use transportation. Employment is also a big factor. There are different options that one can choose for employment. There are sheltered workshops. These are work environments that are structured where a person receives training and works with other workers with disabilities on jobs requiring relatively low skills. They are the most common work setting for individuals and disabilities and They were once the only type of employment. Although these are the most common, due to them being specifically for individuals with disabilities, the workers do not experience the integration of those who have disabilities and those who do not. And the workers typically make very low wages and rely on charitable contributions. There are options for supportive competitive employment This is different from sheltered workshops, as these individuals make at least minimum wage and work in diverse groups of people. To help individuals with disabilities, they receive a job coach to direct them in the right direction. Individuals may also want to consider customized employment. This is similar to supported employment, but is more individualized. It determines the interests and skills of the person, uses that information to search for a specific job, It negotiates with the employer on how the individual will make a positive footprint and once hired, they ensure that there's support for the individual. And lastly, there is self-employment options. This is where they have their own business and have close friends or family to help them. Examples of this could be pet-sitting or housekeeping. Many professionals and parents encourage self-determination, especially with individuals with intellectual disabilities. There's person-centered planning. This is a model that encourages individuals to make their own decisions with respect to services and professionals help with resources and support to help them meet the individual's goals. Intellectual disabilities can impact many aspects of life, but there are many resources and ways to help these individuals succeed and possibly function in society on their own. Thank you for listening.